The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Krolbeck. Later, we are going to be joined by NFL Network's Peter Schrager, also flying coaches, Peter Schrager. Yeah. He's going to give us some sleepers from, you know, actually just knowing everybody in the NFL, which is very helpful this time of year. <laughs> and also the sleepers, they move up, they down. You got to kind of reassess about who's actually going where this time of year. So Schrager's going to help us out with that. Help us out with that, with the inside info. Also, don't forget, fantasyfootball.thereer.com. It is draft season. The drafts are happening. Check out our top 200. We have our rankings, tiers, draft tracker, so you can actually track who's getting drafted in your league on our site, and you can look at our rankings, but also not, you know, no, you don't need the pen and paper if you don't need to. If you want to print out the pen and paper, we have the printable rankings, everything you need, fantasyfootball.thereer.com. I'm personally a fan of printing it out. I like doing that. I like crossing it out by hand. But, you know, we're in a bit of a predicament here because uh, we we obviously want everybody to use our rankings. However, if you want to win your draft, you shouldn't tell any of your friends about our rankings. You should be the only <laughs> one to use it. So it's kind of a catch-22 here. I'm not sure what I want to recommend to people. content strategy, Craig, to actively yeah, just tell your people friends. from sharing tell your our friends. work. No, I don't know. tell your friends and lose your leagues. I want. I care about the fan more than I do our numbers. I want you to win. <laughs> you have integrity. Okay. <laughs> Is that the word? Okay. <laughs> but first, we got to get to a lot of news. A lot yeah. of news. Okay. Sad news. Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins out for the year. He tore his ACL over the weekend. His backup is Gus Edwards. Gus the bus. The Ravens yes. are not currently expected to sign Todd Gurley or a veteran or any other running back. So, D.K., Dobbins out for the year. Where do you have Gus Edwards ranked now? So, we talked about this pretty in-depth over the weekend. I put him right around where James Robinson is in our ranking. So RB21, RB22 in that area, like in the 50s or 60s, I'd say. I think he's going to have a really big role. He's going to have the lion's share of the the work there. But I do think they'll continue, the Ravens will continue to use a, like a, a rotation, a, a committee. Um, Tyson Williams is a guy that's had some hype over the last few months. Justice Hill's still around. So, and they may end up signing a guy or getting a guy on waivers. Because obviously there's going to be a lot of teams that, um, cut down from whatever it is, 80 right now to 53 over the next week. There's going to be a lot of running backs on the open market now after that. Um, you know, there's been rumors of the Ravens potentially going out and finding a guy. So we'll have to see. By the way, I'm throwing I'm throwing a name out there. Alex Collins, former Raven, mm. who knows their system, knows their run game, uh, and has been really good in the preseason. The Seahawks were featuring him over the weekend. So if he doesn't make the Seahawks team, that could be an option. But um, regardless, I think... You know, he, he's not going to catch a ton of passes I, in theory, and I, I would have him a little bit lower than J.K. Dobbins, but we made this, we had this thought, like, you could make the argument he could potentially be even higher than where Dobbins was because he has less competition now. Well, because he doesn't have to compete with Gus Edwards because he is Gus Edwards. Right. So, I don't know, man. It's tough. I'm just being a little conservative because I think they're still going to pick up a guy, um, and I think they could use just a pretty, like, you know, 55, 45, 60, 40, committee it's just tough to know it's tough to think about this is how i'm trying to think about this so if they add a guy let's say they add a guy mm -hmm. will he be, will the guy they add be the new gus edwards 
in terms of if if Gus Edwards is now the J.K. Dobbins, he's the lead guy. This new person they add becomes the second guy, the Gus Edwards of last year. Will that person get as many carries and steal as many touches as Gus Edwards did for J.K. Dobbins? If not, yeah, yeah. then why isn't Gus Edwards just ranked right where J.K. Dobbins is or higher? Just plop him in right in the same spot. Yeah, because we had Dobbins 17th, RB 17 before yeah. he got injured. It's tough. It's really tough. The, the answer on why Gus isn't with Dobbins is the uncertainty. Like if Gus does just have Dobbins's role or, you know, volume, maybe not role, but if his volume, yeah, he would be where that is. It's just, we don't know right now. I think the weird part of the Ravens depth chart is, so they've got this guy named Tyson Williams, who has basically surpassed Justice Hill for third in the depth chart, which now is basically second on the depth chart. So even though they like Tyson Williams, this is still an extremely inexperienced backfield like justice hill is this like very athletic guy that doesn't have a ton of like game experience tyson williams doesn't either so i think it would not at all be surprising for them to bring in like that alex collins even if they're saying it won't happen right now mm-hmm. i would be a little surprised if gus edwards was like the most experienced back for this ravens team who wants to lead the league in rushing having said that they gave gus edwards a contract extension like three years this year. like, like 10 million kind of money that they're like, it's not just like, oh, Gus Edwards is the backup. It's like they trust him with the ball and he's averaging over like five yards a carry. He's been really good. He's like solid. He's a really good runner. Um, so he's good. It's just yeah. a matter of price. I disagree with you on the James Robinson part just because I have James Robinson a lot higher than you post these Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins injuries. I have Robinson really like in that, in like the, I think the 40s range right around like where J.K. Dobbins was for me and some people mm-hmm. have him in like the fourth round, fifth, whatever. I think that's where Robinson is because He's, I think he's just a better player. He's going to catch more passes. But again, this is still a Ravens team that could be one of the better offenses in football. And Gus Edwards seems like he's going to get a lot of red zone carries that Lamar, you know, the ones that Lamar doesn't take. Yeah, it's tough. Because it, it, I think Gus still has a lot of the um, negatives that surrounded Dobbins. Passing game usage, Lamar Jackson stealing, uh, a lot of rushes and a lot of red zone looks, all that stuff. But he's good. It's going to be good offense. They're going to score a ton of points. I think he's just a really solid RB2. Like, would you, oh, let me ask you this. Would you feel comfortable with him as your RB2 this year? Uh, if you get him late, yeah, but realistically, I feel like someone's going to reach for him thinking he's like this sleeper guy that you're probably right, somewhere around 60. I think I have to take us in the top 60. I'm kind of just like going to pass. That's what's kind of tough about this situation yeah. is I think the casual fan, when they just see like, J.K. Dobbins hurt. They're like, oh, cool. Gus Edwards will just be J.K. Dobbins. And then they'll draft him super high. And then your intelligent self can't take him at the correct spot because he'll probably just go <laughs> a little early now. I, yeah. The whole point is that the, this is just more evidence to me that this year it's okay to wait on that second running back spot. You'll be able to fill it somehow, some way with some player and take that running back early. Take two if you want, but you can loan up on receivers in the middle rounds. Yeah, I would still just wait and get Zach Moss, Chase Edmonds, those type of guys like 30 picks later. Other injury news, T.Y. Hilton has a neck injury, Colts receiver. So T.Y. Hilton has, it's a disc issue. So quoting Frank Reich, it's a disc issue. So that's a complicated issue. More meetings, more evaluation to come, more opinions to come. He will miss some games. We don't know exactly how many. We're optimistic it's not season ending, end quote. So that obviously is bad. T.Y. Hilton is an older player. You know, this is awful. You know, anytime it's a neck injury, that is awful. Um, So Michael Pittman seems like the number one receiver in Indianapolis right now. D.K., where would you take Pittman now with amid all this like Michigas with Indianapolis and injuries? So let's see. I'm just looking where we got him. We have him in half PPR right in that Mike Williams, Chenault, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Waddle range. So I'd say like eighth, ninth round. Um, and I think that still sounds right. I'm not necessarily reaching for him, but and and honestly, because he hasn't really shown us that he can be the the true like quote alpha receiver or whatever. I think it's still some uncertainty there, but I think he's a very interesting later round guy that has the upside to be, you know, to like significantly outplay his ADP. So um, if he's on the board there with like Mike Williams, I might actually lean Pittman just because of the unknown and the upside. I think Mike Williams is sort of locked in as the number two, but Pittman could be the number one in this offense. So does that make sense? I think Pittman is, unless I'm mistaken here, I'm kind of scrolling through these lists. I think he's the cheapest number one wide receiver in fantasy, which, you know, has some merit on a Frank Reich offense. He's, I mean, Someone's got to catch passes. Someone's got to catch passes. And I mean, I think we kind of overshot a little bit on this Colts thing. It's like Wentz got hurt. Nelson got hurt. And we just like fucking dropped everybody 30 ranks. And now it's like, oh, they both might play week one. Yeah, but just a couple other things on the Colts front. So 
Sam Ellinger, who's going to be one of the backups for the Colts, sprained his left knee, so he's out five to six weeks. Wentz is now on the COVID list. Yeah, not so. Great. So that's we'll interesting. see whether he has to quarantine for how many days. Yeah, I'm not going to like pick them to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if he should be the last wide receiver one taken in the league, Michael Pittman. But yeah. no, the, well, the other thing I just want to note about the Colts, their left tackle, Sam Tevy Torres ACL, he's out for the season. And Tevy was replacing Eric Fisher, who has an Achilles injury he's recovering from that's coming back middle of the year. So they're on their third left tackle two weeks out from the season. And then yeah, left guard, Nelson, is the foot injury. Yeah. So that's the left side of the line is decimated. Well, maybe not decimated, but tough. Okay. Other than, so we like Pittman though. Yeah. Other injury stuff. The Giants are a flat circle. It's the same team. It's the same. It's the, everything about it's the same, including Evan Ingram just flashes and you're like, wow, why are we too low on Evan Ingram? And then he leaves with an injury. So he has a calf injury. We still don't really know the severity of it, <laughs> but just the Giants, again, yeah. to recap, they signed Kenny Galladay. He has not practiced in almost four weeks. He maybe comes back this week, maybe ready for week one, but he's not practiced in four weeks. First round pick, Kadarius Tony receiver, also hurt, also not practicing. Evan Ingram now has the calf injury. Saquon seems set for week one, hasn't actually like been tackled yet, but suddenly is one of the more healthy players in the Giants. And then Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, and Darius Slayton left with an injury too, but he was fine, are yep. like the only healthy guys in this team. If you're looking for a giant player, Evan Ingram, if he's magically fine, is probably good. But realistically, Sterling Shepard's the guy in a PPR league that you're probably looking for. Shepard is the quintessential Glansberg, I think. Yeah. He's like the guy, it's, he's the most boring pick you can make. It's the least sexy pick you can make. But he's also been incredibly consistent when he's been playing, when he's been healthy. It's like you could just bank six targets at least for him every single time he's out there playing. Um, so, yeah, he's like in PPR and half PPR, especially like he's one of those guys where if you just want someone who's going to be a safe 10 points or whatever in half PPR, PPR, you know, he's, he doesn't have as much upside as everyone else, but that's fine. He's just the kind of guy to like fill out your flex spot or whatever, your wide receiver three spot. Uh, Sterling Shepard is your guy. He's closer to a bye week fill-in than an upside bench guy, but I mean, yeah, he will catch passes. I agree. He's kind of in that like Cole Beasley range. I mean, he's basically, he's been nicked up the last couple of years, but he is on pace for just about 80 catches every single season. And like, if he's healthy, I would probably project that again. He also changed numbers this year. He's yeah, he's number, number three. three he's number three. He's Sexy. one of those guys. I like it. Other news. DeAndre Swift, Lions running back, has a core injury. He's just continued to be limited in practice. Is this new or is this just the same thing he's had? This is just kind of an update on the, like he's just still not practicing. And it seems that Dan Campbell's a little concerned, not just for the core injury when Swift returns, but the conditioning, which I think is an important right. element to understand that even if Swift is back, I think Jamal Williams is going to play a lot for the Lions. I really like Jamal Williams' late round flyer mm -hmm. if you're looking for running backs, just because I think I, I think he's going to play more than people envision. I, if you, you're you doing a salary cap draft, throw two bucks at Jamal Williams is worth it. Uh, okay. The last thing I want to ask you about, DK, 49ers used a platoon at quarterback, which they yeah. have been doing in practice too. Yeah. So preseason Raiders, first 24 snaps. Garoppolo took 14. Trey Lance took 10. What do you make of this, DK? I have no idea. It's, it's one of those things where on one hand, it could be what they're absolutely planning on doing. They're just going to do like this running back or sorry, this quarterback platoon where basically Trey Lance comes in and does run game stuff where they're doing read option, blah, blah, blah. He's essentially Taysom Hill with a talented, accurate arm kind of deal. You know what I mean? So like basically they're swapping out the quarterbacks based on what the situations are. It looks like this is what they could be doing. However, it's, it could just be Kyle Shanahan trolling in, in the final preseason game and basically saying to his week one opponent, who I'm not sure who that is, but um, the week one opponent ba basically has to now prep as if Trey Lance is going to be playing half the snaps at quarterback. And that makes it much more difficult to prep for. It makes it much more complicated. You have to do all this work on re read option stuff. So it just like makes it much more difficult to prepare for. They might end up just playing Garoppolo. We don't know. Um, I, I would not necessarily start Trey Lance. Like we've been saying all summer, draft Trey Lance late because once he starts and once he becomes the full-time starter, he has like top 5% potential. But if he's only playing half the snaps, I still think it'd be worth just kind of wait and see and, and how this goes. Um, I will say in this game against Raiders, he scored a touchdown on a read option. It was awesome. They did like, you know, they had like uh, Jalen Hurd running across the formation. They had a read option play. He kept it. The, the, uh, uh, the defense just totally dived on, the running back and left him wide open. This is like what we're going to see all year. It's just going to be really difficult for them to defend this stuff. Um, so 
it, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like the Taysom thing last year. Too bad. I wish that Trey Lance had tight end eligibility because that would be like the wrinkle <laughs> you really want. Um, but I don't know if he can necessarily start him until he is the full-time starter. Does that make sense? I love the idea of everybody kind of shitting on the Sean Payton Taysom Hill thing for like four straight years. And then Shanahan comes in and does it with Lance. Everyone's like, whoa, this Here's guy's a genius. The difference is Taysom Two Hill Two major is differences here. Trey Lance was the number three pick overall. He's a good thrower. And number two, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Drew Brees. Right, and Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I get it, but you know, the, yeah. it's still there a little bit. It's no, still there I totally, a little bit. People love, people love Shanahan, like, yes. unrepentantly. And so I definitely understand what you're He's saying. He's like the like, fucking Riddler now. Everyone's like, ooh, what's he doing? Yeah. I think DK, everything DK said is true in that it's to mess with the opposing defenses. But I also think he will do this in the regular season, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he, this is going to happen. What do, you, do you think this is like, okay, regardless of the fantasy thing, do you think this is a good idea? Yes. I just think it's so hard as a quarterback to like, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I've never played quarterback, so I don't have no idea. But like, it'd be hard to get into a rhythm and stuff if you're constantly getting subbed out and like only being used on some plays. It just feels like it could make both guys worse. I don't know. Like, that's just... Uh, I That's also just my make worry. both of them better, honestly. It's kind of like one of those, if it's working, like, it's, you know, it's a great idea, and if it doesn't, it's not. But I think that creatively, like, if Lance has 45% of the playbook down, and those are 45% really good plays, use them. Like, the waiting till it's 80 or 90% to put them in. Like, I, I get why Shanahan just is like, no, we're going to do all of it right now. It will, it, I will say, like, 100% confidence, it makes 49ers a nightmare to defend. Put it that way. And a predicted fantasy, which is super fun. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so let's get to sleepers. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. All right, we are joined by Peter Schrager. You know him from Good Morning Football on NFL Network, but more crucially, you know him as the host of Flying Coach Season 2 <laughs> with Sean McVay on the Ringer Podcast Network. Peter as Craig was producing that podcast for you, how quickly did like the brotherhood start flowing? It was total <laughs> bromance. Um, and I, Craig's Craig's the man. I wish I could restart my career as Craig. This guy has it all going on. He lives in the West Coast. He's a great looking guy. He's hanging out at wow. McVeigh's house at one point this off season, which sounds pretty cool to me. I'm stuck here in a Brooklyn apartment, just grinding away. Craig is living the life and flying in and out of all these tropical locations. He's got it good. He gets to hang out with you guys three times a week, or however often you guys do this. He's living a good life. Yeah, if you define hanging out with Sean McVeigh as setting up his equipment, then yeah, we hung out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so DK and I, Danny Kelly and I get back. We go on vacation this summer. We come back, and Craig has just done a few pods with you and Sean. And he's like, guys, I really like Cam Akers this year. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I just spent half an hour talking with McVeigh after setting up his equipment. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Craig knows. It's like he'll, he'll say something to us because we would do the podcast, which if anyone hasn't listened to, I'll promote it again. Flying yep. Coach. Uh, it was awesome. We had a blast and Craig was fantastic with it. But we would do the podcast, but there would also be like an hour afterwards where we would just bullshit and he would drop nuggets on us about his team, his roster. And it's hard in the fantasy world not to <laughs> make a mental note and be like, all right, uh, he sort of likes this first round, you know, whatever it is. So we got to re release those tapes. This is I like the, the B sides for this, for this podcast. That's a great segue, Peter. Cause I wanted to ask you, so you've been in the same fantasy league since 1997, right? Yeah. The East coast dream team league on CBS sports line. That is what we've been doing since 97 when I was in high school, CBS <laughs> sports line. I used to use that, uh, like high school. That was how we like, we like track the games, you know, but I wanted to ask you're an NFL insider. So 
are you in the league with other people who work in the NFL? Is it all just people who work all over the world? Do they not like, do they think you're cheating, have inside information that you're not telling them about every draft pick you make? Are they like, oh, he must know something? Yeah. And, and it's, here's the the truth of it. I have not won this league title since I've been doing this professionally. <laughs> Never. So I come in all barrel chested, like, oh, I know from Josh McDaniels and Belichick speaking with them in the summer that Stephen Ridley <laughs> is going to have 1,800 yards. Stephen Ridley gets injured in the week, second week, and nothing happened. You know, it's like I have my guys, I have my picks. Um, last year, I think I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire first overall because nice. of all the things that Andy was telling me about how good he was. How, and, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a fine rookie season. Season, but he wasn't worthy yeah. of the first overall pick. If anything, sometimes the insider knowledge in August and July uh, will trip you up in your head because you, you go too <laughs> big on it. But um, no, I, I don't think I have any inside knowledge as far as uh, an edge to win. And certainly, my friends don't give a shit. Like my friend, my friend Ryan is a you know is a is a personal finance guy. My other guy does mortgages. One of them's a cop. Like we don't, they don't give a shit about what I do. They want to just draft their fantasy team and talk shit on the message board. <laughs> they say that, but when you send a trade proposal, they're like, he knows something. It's fair. I mean, sometimes I'll try to dump a guy or I'll pick up a guy on waivers and it's way too odd that like I have something, mm -hmm. but rarely is it ever like, all right, I'm going to Travis Fulgham before he has his big breakout <laughs> game five days in advance. You know, it, I usually find out when the rest of you guys find out as to who the guy who's going to have the huge breakout performance is going to be. Well, we're going to get to some big breakouts right now, and we're, we're going to dig deep. We're going to figure it out right now. Yeah, with all that said, now you're going to give us your sleepers. <laughs> yeah, give us the... <laughs> now that we know you don't have an edge. Here's the truth, though. I will say this, and it includes you guys, and it includes all the guys who have done really great work on this. I give you guys so much credit for developing... Um, such a voice for fantasy because it's a totally different world than what I'm in where I'm like, you know, this guy's ankle injury, this guy's contract, and here's the story behind why they drafted this player. But you guys focus and you use numbers on targets and what, where I come from is like, I'll talk to the offensive coordinator and be like, what, wh who's looking good this year and what can I expect? Well, here's a name that no one's looking for. So it's kind of, it meshes, but I give you guys a lot of credit for looking at it from a numerical thing. Mine's usually anecdotal and just who's getting the positive feedback in camp. I think you got to mesh mesh both those things, yeah, though. Exactly. I think those are absolutely important. Like playing time equals fantasy like production. And so um, I think I love that. I actually try and get all the nuggets I can, you know, throughout the preseason stuff. Like that's why I really appreciate like the reporting and stuff that you guys do. Um, you know, the quote, like the the people that are not in the fantasy realm or whatever. Um, so I just think, yeah, this stuff is great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, fantasy you know. people are just a bunch of pencil pushers, man. We're just like looking at numbers. We're, Desk we don't know jockeys. The, we don't know what's going on behind. <laughs> but wait, Craig, when you were talking to McVay and you were listening to all the head coaches, didn't you feel like you had a little insight there that you oh, didn't yeah. have beforehand? So that's where I get like, all right, because I was with Schefter last week. Um, name drop, big time guy, Adam Schefter. Um, we were together. <laughs> And we're at the golf and we're walking around and he's asking me like, give me a fantasy guy you got. Cause it, and it's like, he, it, there's no one more connected than Adam. And even he's asking my thoughts because he plays fantasy. And we know that the work that you guys do, and I'll say on their side, like Field Yates and Matthew Barry and all those fantasy reporters and like what they do, it's, it's noble stuff. I mean, devoting every day to fantasy and not just big picture football stuff. It's like the jacket sleeve of the book. We're going to put noble stuff. That's our, <laughs> noble stuff. That's the spot. So noble honorable. Stuff. Yeah, when we had a, when we had Arthur Smith on, he was talking about Kyle Pitts, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah I was like, Kyle Pitts is now going to be a top three tight end for me. And he will be. <laughs> but with that said, let's jump in some guys. So Peter, hit us with someone again. I think you're right. Like the, you want the numbers to point you to somewhere, but you wanted to overlap with the human knowledge. Yeah. So like, who's a fantasy sleeper that you're in on this year? Okay, so. Uh, we can go really deep cut or we can go names that you're hearing. I'm going to go somewhat deep cut to start. The first name I'll Not give yet. you is Marquez Valdez Scantling. Oh, in yes. Bay. I have okay? this guy on my list. All right. All right. Let me tell you about a guy who transformed himself over the offseason. Not physically, but this guy is now a route runner, which is something he was not in the past. He would still have mm. those big games, but he can now run the route tree and he has gained the trust of Aaron Rodgers. As I say this, I could see the Reddit threads rolling their eyes because I get caught doing this all the time. When I say, I speak to guys in Green Bay, but I speak to guys in Green Bay and they're like, <laughs> Valdez Scantling has arrived and is a completely different receiver. And there were some practice habits that Rodgers didn't love in the past. Valdez Scantling has worked himself into being a bonafide number two wide receiver and what I think might be the number one offense in the league. So whereas he might not have been a draftable fantasy player in recent years, 
I think you could slide him in as your wide receiver three and be very happy, or even your wide receiver two. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to have a huge season alongside Devontae Adams. I love this. I like that he's transformed himself, but not best shape of my life guy. He's like a best mind of my life guy. Like, yes. what, like, <laughs> like, right? He's like the best mental of his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Rogers, if you listen to Rogers last week, they asked him about, we call him MVS. They asked him about MVS and he said like, here's the deal. I could talk about the player all you want. I'm going to talk about the person. And this is someone who's changed himself as a pro, like was not ready for the pros when he first came in, but had the body, had the speed. He has made himself a trusted player. And for Rodgers, it's all about trust. If he, if you burn him twice, like he's done with you. That's how it is. That's why he loved Kumaro so much because Kumaro knew the route tree and Kumaro was... Re- Valdez Scantling is getting that talk and I know the coaches there, they love what they got this season out of him. So big jump for Valdez Scantling from good fantasy player to like reliable fantasy guy. I like this. I had this on my list and right now, according to the expert consensus rankings, he's 210th. He's the wide receiver 81. So you can get him free. You can get him with your last pick of your draft. Sometimes you can pick waivers. him up on waivers if yeah. you're already drafted. Um, but I was just looking. So a couple of things. Number one, I, lo- I love like the the idea that like he's become a pro and things like that. Because like so many guys, some, it just takes different guys a different amount of time to turn into that. I keep, I keep going back to like Golden Tate when he came into uh, Seattle. It took him two full years. Like he was starting to look a little bit like a bust. He was he went he was in the league for two years um, before he really kind of I think matured into the the superstar player that he was uh, for the Seahawks, Lions, etc. Um, I just think sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer to kind of like become pros. And and Heifetz, you probably make fun of me for this, but like I said on the past, like people can change, man. People can like <laughs> get they can change their mindset. Um, he Valdez Scantling was actually among receivers, second most uh, targets last year among receivers on the Packers. He quietly had 63 targets. However, he only caught 33 of them. His catch rate was atrocious. Um, And he he was always just going deep. I feel like that's part of the reason why. And and I think if they expand his route tree, you know, and and Rodgers has that trust for him, he shows that trust in the short and intermediate area more, he's going to get more targets. He's going to get more like third down looks instead of just being like this dedicated deep threat. um, He averaged 20.9 yards per catch last year. So, that was basically his role is just go deep. I'm going to huck it up to you. If he has improved as a route runner and, and earned Aaron Rodgers trust, we've been searching for this number two receiver in the Packers offense, you know? So is Aaron. Yeah. So has Aaron, <laughs> yeah. honestly. And like he found it in Bobby Tanyan last year as like the red yeah. zone guy. But I think there's a thing with sleepers in fantasy. You always want to take that second year breakout player, the KJ Hamlers, the Jerry Judys, the Henry Ruggs, the Brian Edwards. Then there's the guys that have been around and yeah. I think it's like a fourth or fifth year guy. And in this case, Valdez Scantling to me is one of those names. I'll tell anybody who'll listen. I go out and, you know, I'm such a celebrity that people stop me in the streets and they want to know <laughs> fantasy tips. And I'll always tell them, Valdez, that has never happened. But if someone wants to stop me and be like, who am I taking last in my fantasy draft? I would say go with Valdez Scantling. I'd feel confident on that. It's never happened unless it's Adam Schefter on the golf course. That was it. That was the only one. And I'm sure he asked every single person watching the golf before he got to me, but he was asking just, he was looking for my thoughts as well. So um, one last thing to add on him, and I think this is interesting is, so I think I heard Rich Rich Reber talking about this. It's basically like for high draft picks, typically if you don't pan out in the first two to three years, you're not going to pan out. And this is like just if you're looking at the numbers of all the last of all the receivers taken in the last like 20 years, um, where you do find later breakout guys like third, fourth, fifth season is players who were drafted later in the draft and who came from small schools. And I think MVS hits both of those in terms of like it just he he came into the draft. I think he was like a six round pick. Yep. Um, North Carolina State and South Florida. So he just kind of took this different route. Um, to where he is now. Sometimes these guys that they find later in the draft, that teams find later in the draft, like they just, it's harder for them to climb the depth chart right away or earn the trust of whoever is like they need to earn the trust of, whether it's the OC or the quarterback. So yeah, I think this is another guy that kind of fits the role of a quote late breakout. I mean, this is his fourth season, but still, I mean, you know, most of the time, if you're like a first or second round pick, if you're not doing anything by your fourth season, you're not going to do anything. Um, But I think this is a chance to to be like that late career breakout. And we talk about this all the time, like in fantasy, like why, like boring picks are usually the best picks. Like this drafting MVS, no one in your league is going to be like, wow, Craig. (laughs) Yeah. Nailed that one. Good, They're gonna good be like, one. good one, dude. But those are the ones that work out. Everybody is gonna draft Jalen Waddle, like or, or the guys like that this year. But it's like, oh, MVS, the boring veteran guys, the ones who are actually established are the ones who are probably gonna have the best chance of actually returning the value that you want at like a late round pick. 
Yeah, with that with that in mind, you just gave me a good segue to my uh, to one of my sleepers, Craig. Oh, is it Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle, yeah. Wow, <laughs> asshole. Um, <laughs> so real quick, I just I don't actually have any like numerical like data to back this up. I just think I, I'm like a vibes like vibes for the Dolphins, vibes <laughs> wow. for Tua, vibes vibes guy. for Waddle. And I and I was doing a piece on Tua the other day, and I went back and watched a bunch of Waddle, and I was just like, man. This guy is like faster than I remember. When I was doing all of my my college scouting and everything, he is just ex- he's explosive fast, explosive fast, and he looks like he's healthy. Um, he's in an offense, I think that especially with two under center. Like if you go back and watch Alabama when two was was playing, like it's all rhythm. It's like hit your back foot, get the ball out. Hit the back foot, get the ball out. He's spreading the ball around. He's launching deep shots. Um, it's very rhythmic and like you know just he has to be in the zone type of deal. Tua was not that as a as a rookie. And in preseason, it's looked like he has had that sort of like he's been able to just drop back. You know, he he's knowing what he's seeing. He's getting the ball out. I think they're going to design a lot of plays for Waddle underneath where he's just, you know, catching a slant, trying to pick up yards after the catch, doing screens, things like that. They're also going to use him as a deep threat. So, um, I don't know. I just think Waddle is interesting. I also think Will Fuller and Albert Wilson could be values in your drafts. Um, this Dolphins offense, I think, is just a little bit undervalued right now. Can I get in on Waddle here? Um, Heck yeah. So I talked to a bunch of the coaches, and most of them had Jamar Chase ranked above Waddle and Devontae Smith. I don't know if Flo would be upset with me saying this publicly now. I I said sources at the time, but it was from him, and I think afterwards he might have confirmed it. They had Waddle number one on their wide receiver board over Jamar Mm. Chase, over Devontae Smith. And one of the reasons was, A, the punt and kick return ability, which is insane, but also this guy Fs up his ankle in a big game and sits out and could have easily never come back and still been a top 10 pick, worked his ass off at Alabama to make sure he could play in that final BCS championship game, was 20% of what he could have been, and yet knew it was going to be on tape, knew the scouts would be watching, knew it might not be his best effort, goes out there basically still hobbling and makes plays. And like, if you're trying to play for the Dolphins and what Flores is trying to build, like it's toughness first. It's wanting to be there. It's all about attitude and culture. So yes, you have all the stuff that you mentioned, but there's also this feeling of like reliability and accountability where it won't be treated like a flashy, fast rookie. It'll be treated like, all right, here's my guy. I trust him and I know I can go to him. And Tua, of course, has a great relationship as well. Yeah. I'm just excited about it. I think, and, and right now he's, you know, you can get him in like the 10th round or later sometimes. And it's just like, it's a no brainer to me because um, I think he's going to be a featured part of this offense. He was the sixth overall pick, you mm-hmm. know, and they traded up to get to that spot. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about what this can do, what this offense can do. And I, I also am just a Tua believer in general. I think that Tua is going to have a big second year. Peter, are you in on the Dolphins with the Tua resurgence too? I don't know yet. I got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> He's smiling at my that, that comment. He's like, Look, ah, I don't know. There's a lot of things that that would give you hesitation, but I'll, there's a way to shoot a hole or poke a hole in every one of those things. One, Chan Gailey was the offensive coordinator last year. Yeah. He had been with Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Bills, with the Jets, and then with the Dolphins. And that was an offense that basically was like the Ryan Fitzpatrick offense that he knew and could spit it out. Tua was coming in as a rookie, not only off an injury, but with no training camp, no preseason, learned everything on Zoom, and an offensive coordinator who probably wanted the veteran instead of him. Now they've got you know, a co-offensive coordinator, which is really interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know how that's going to I don't know how it's going to be either. And I've asked around, and there's no real clear explanation of who exactly is calling the plays and how it's going to work. But it's an old running backs coach who's legendary in Eric Studsville, and then George Godsey, who's been around as a quarterbacks guy. So they're kind of molding and they're melding it. But like, there's no one behind him. Brissett's not going to replace him. Like, this is it. Sink or swim for Tua. There's no threat of him being yanked for poor play. But I have been hearing the Watson trade rumors before right, the Watson right. stuff came up and then after the stuff. And as long as that's in the ether, like I, I just got to see Tua do it, actually. But I, there's a lot of Tua supporters in that building and a lot of Tua fans outside of that building. I just got to see it first. Yeah. Okay. Peter, you got another sleeper for us? Yeah. Here's where I'm going. Same thing you guys were talking about. Late round pick, takes him a couple years, but here's his moment at wide receiver. I love Russell Gage in mm. Atlanta. Wow. Okay? This is a late round guy at LSU. He comes in as like a pot- potentially a quarterback. Like he played quarterback in high school. They bring him in and it's just stars at wide receiver. Doesn't really have his, his moment at LSU. Gets to the Falcons and has been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Obviously, Julio moves on and everyone immediately says, all right, that's because of Ridley and because of Kyle Pitts. We're great. 
Um, they love, they love Gage. They love Gage. They love what he can bring. And it's one of these guys that has a huge upside. So again, late, late in the draft, maybe, um, maybe he's the third option on that offense, but he could also end up being their second option because Ridley's the one, he's the two, and then Pitts plays the tight end position and isn't necessarily a wide receiver. Like everyone just assumes, and it might take him a little bit. So I love what Gage can bring. He's an athletic player. He's smart. He has worked his way into the lineup. And I know that Arthur Smith and uh, the offensive coordinator, Dave Ragone, really have strong feelings for him. So those are two guys that I trust, and they both spoke publicly and privately about how high they feel about Russell Gage. See, Peter, this is the type of shit that's going to make me draft Russell Gage now. (laughs) (laughs) He had had 109 targets last year. Right, the quietest that, hundred target season. Yeah, he was on your top ten list uh, on Good Morning Football, right? You did your top ten. Yeah, I saw that too, and I was like, Man. "Yeah, I did my top ten breakout players." He's on it. That's the type of guy, though, that like no one would think Russell Gage because he's been around. Like he's been. Around. Guess what? It's his moment. Like this is his time, and he knows it. And they they're gonna give him a lot. They're gonna give him a lot of targets and a lot of workload. I love this too because it's. Well, first of all, I just respect that you came on here and I had no idea how deep these sleepers were going to be. And you're just like, boom, <laughs> Russell Gage. Yeah, I love it. Perfect. I also just love the being like betting against the, hey, Kyle Pitts generational talent who everyone's obsessed with, including us. And you're like, hey, also like, this is other guy at 109 targets there. Like, also yeah. is on that tape. It's not against Pitts too. Like, right? Like, can't they all just be, have a blow up seat? Like a new offense. Arthur Smith is brilliant. And we mm-hmm. spoke to him on the flying coach, but like his reputation is so good around the league for drawing things up that no one's ever seen before. And that's yeah. the stuff you hear from McVeigh and Shanahan and all these guys. Like Arthur Smith is respected. There's a lot of offensive coordinators in this league who don't get that kind of respect and don't get that kind of pub. Arthur Smith is that guy. And now he's the head coach. And I, I think if he's talking high about Russell Gage, like Russell Gage is gonna is gonna succeed. That's just the truth of it. Maybe he'll be the the Corey Davis, you know, that he was in Tennessee, yeah. kind of the the, yeah. the one B. Yeah. yeah, I love these two sleepers because the hard thing for us this time of year is some people have drafted and many have not, and it's hard sometimes to help people who've drafted already have more. And like these guys are available, like they it, probably I, are. Unless you're in a fourteen team league, I don't think Russell Gage is on someone's roster. No. I have a question just generally, Peter, about like the Falcons and Arthur Smith, because, you know, Arthur Smith, he comes from Tennessee where they were very, you know, balanced. It was it all the offense runs through Derrick Henry, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and, and going into this season, it doesn't really feel like the Falcons have made running back a huge priority. Obviously, they brought in Mike Davis um, and then a bunch of just random dudes like they had a couple of uh, undrafted free agents come in. Um, it just feels like they're going to pivot away from this, our offense runs who are running back style. Have you heard anything about that? Like in terms of like, are they going to be pass heavy? Do you think it's going to be a big switch or they're going to just kind of do what they did last year in terms of Arthur Smith calling plays and, and the style that he brought to uh, Tennessee. Do you, do you have any insight on that? Yeah. Look, Arthur Smith made his bones as a tight ends coach originally. Like that's where he Mm -hmm. came up with Tennessee and then was offensive line coach and was obviously working with the offense when LaFleur was there. LaFleur takes the head coach job and then he gets there. So it's not like because they had Derrick Henry that his offense was going to be run the ball, pound the ball. He comes from a very, very interesting background. And a lot of that is the Shanahan offense and Mm -hmm. the LaFleur offense and what they run. So they're going to find ways to run the ball. Those offenses always do. And they don't always have... A1 lead backs like Derrick Henry. Um, But they're going to throw the ball quite a bit too. And I wouldn't underestimate what he did for Ryan Tannehill's career. And everyone says that's on Tannehill and that's very bold in Tannehill. Like Tannehill was a backup quarterback to Mariota and goes in and then now is, without a doubt, considered one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. I think Arthur Smith deserves a lot of credit. I think he can rejuvenate, if he even needs it, Matt Ryan's career a little bit too. And Ryan's going to be throwing the ball over the yard. And Matt Ryan was an MVP in the Shanahan scheme. I know, I know. Rejuvenate MVP. Mike Davis get rejuvenated. It's gonna yeah. happen. Hyphus is just smiling throughout the whole just, thing because he's like look. Mike Davis. Mike Mike Davis. Hyphus loves Mike Davis. The <laughs> we have a theory. Wait, Peter. Made, I don't know if uh, we have a whole thing on this show about no, Danny, names. Let Danny finish. Hyphus. <laughs> <laughs> no, Craig. This is crazy. It's important. No, I was just gonna okay. say the like the reason context. why we believe that Mike Davis is underrated as well as a lot of other guys in the league is because of their name. We believe in name bias, like yeah. boring name syndrome. <laughs> Doug Baldwin was one of the yeah. biggest victims of that, and we think if Mike Davis' name was like Flash Gordon, he'd be going twenty <laughs> spots higher in draft. Flash Gordon. <laughs> it's fair. It's, it's fair. just like Robert Woods has that problem. Yes, Robert Woods. It's, it's 
I'm with you on this. It's fine. Corey Davis, a lot of these guys. <laughs> the other part of Mike Davis that I haven't explained enough is the Shanahan system has about 30 years of turning guy, running backs you've never heard of into really good guys. Oh, like Landis Gary, Mike Anderson. Terrell Davis was a seventh round pick. Like it, you forget all these guys, like Steve Slayton for one year with Shanahan, like mm. the Texans. Yes. Like, it, that's the season that I think Mike Davis is about to have. There was a kid in Washington before Alfred Morris, or maybe after Alfred Morris, that I never heard from again that Mike that Kyle Shanahan oh, got on. And and just they went bonkers. Dunbar, maybe? I don't know. There was some running back, but it's every single time. And it's yeah. Jeff Wilson and it's it's Raheem Moster. And it's that's why like I don't think they need a Derrick Henry in that backfield. I think the Arian scheme Foster. is gonna be fine. Arian Foster, seventh round. All right, Craig, do you got a uh, sleeper for us? Someone who's gonna go after the seventh round? <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver on the Bears. I'm into Darnell this year. He was a fifth rounder, he was a rookie <laughs> last year. He played 73% of snaps. Uh, but the stats don't really tell the whole story with Darnell. You could look at him and be like, all right, 600 yards, four touchdowns, not bad. But he didn't become a starter until week eight. And he was playing with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, who could never hit him. 45% of Mooney's passes downfield were deemed uncatchable or were deemed catchable, which was second worst in the NFL, which isn't surprising with Foles and Trubisky. But, you know, what does Justin Fields do well? He's great at throwing the ball down the field. And I think the biggest sign, and this is what Peter was alluding to earlier about like, you know, sometimes these preseason training camp hype can get us a little bit too excited and it doesn't pay off. I like when you don't hear about a guy. I like when things are quiet and I like when they don't play in the preseason. Darnell Mooney has played six snaps mm -hmm. this preseason. I really like that. I, I like it's guys a good sign. like a guy yeah. like Brian Edwards hasn't played in the preseason. Like I like stuff like that. Uh, he played no snaps in week three. So, he, you know, he was the number three guy in the offense last year. It was Allen Robinson. It was Anthony Miller. And then it was Mooney. Well, they liked Mooney enough to send Anthony Miller off to Houston. And now he's just the number two guy. He's had a great camp. He has a good relationship with Allen Robinson. They're like best friends, teaching each other stuff after every route they run in practice. Matt Nagy said he reminds him of Deshaun Jackson. He's going 13th in the 13th round in Yahoo drafts. Like the number two receiver on a potentially awesome Justin Fields, or at least exciting Justin Fields Bears offense. And Preach. even if it's Dalton, I think he will fare much better with Dalton than he would with Foles or Trubisky. All right. So Mooney last year made national headlines. It is a star yep. on Twitter and beloved in Chicago for the double move on Jalen Ramsey. If you Google it right now, you can find it. It's the first and only time I've ever seen Jalen Ramsey just fall out of his shoes based <laughs> on player. Now it was an incomplete pass because a lot of passes in Chicago the last few years have been so, but the views and the angles that the Sunday night cameras got of Mooney just shaking Jalen Ramsey gives everyone these tantalizing things. Um, they love him there. They love him there. And he's a number two for sure. The question is the quarterback. If you're going up against an Aaron Rodgers quarterback situation or you're going up against a Mahomes and you're looking at, all right, who's getting him the ball? Mooney could be great, but I, I just don't know who the quarterback is. And even if it is Fields, if Fields is going to be able to be consistent enough to get him the amount of action where you're going to start him in your fantasy league week to week. One thing with Chicago is that Tevin Jenkins, the left tackle, just having back surgery. So now they got Jason Peters, who I believe is 39. 39 yeah. No offense to any people in here, but 39 is pretty old <laughs> hey. for left tackle. It's fine for NFL media, but like, hey. I, I mean, it's fine for NFL media. The Bears It's blocking. fine for NFL media. It's fine. Sorry. Prime. It's prime for NFL Apex media. age. Apex but, age for NFL media. <laughs> but 39 is pretty tough for a left tackle in the NFL, especially when that guy had injury issues like five years ago. So I'm a little concerned the expected improvement of Andy Dalton, considering we just saw what happens to Andy Dalton when he's like a third string left tackle. And then if fields come in, I think the concern we have rook with rookies is how many fantasy players can you actually support? It's like Allen Robinson will be fine. It's like the second tier drop off. But I think with, to Craig's point about Mooney is that he's so cheap that it, you take the flyer on it. Like you're not really yeah. spending anything yeah. with getting yeah. Mooney. So it's fine. I like him. 13th pick. I mean, it's all upside. These are all dark exactly. at the end of the draft. And I think he yeah. has the highest upside. He's a, he's a legit good route runner. So Matt Harmon does reception perception where he tracks guys' success rates against different coverages and, and on different routes. And he's he had a really strong profile. Um, if you remember last year, he he was being used around the line of scrimmage too as like a screen guy. And like would, they would just get it to him in space and let him do his thing. So he's more than just a, a down-the-field deep threat. And I think he can win in the short and intermediate area too. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely excited about him. And, you know, and they, they also, they get Tariq Cohen back who opens things up a little bit. And then 
They got big game Dame, my man Damian Williams from the Chiefs, who mm. was should have been Super Bowl MVP. He's now their number two running back with Montgomery. Like their offense got better this offseason. That helps and that opens things up. So Mooney might have those one-on-ones where he could just burn someone or do a double move like he did on Ramsey. Like I like the Mooney pick. I, I do. I, I like him as a player. I'm not sure where on that pecking order he is. And that's solely because of the quarterback play, I think could be very inconsistent this year in Chicago. Okay, so more tepid. So you love every number two receiver except Craig's pick. That's that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> that's all right. You more heard less. him. They love Darnell Mooney. They did. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I give you another sleeper? Please. Yes. You will never, never hear this sleeper on any other podcast, see it on any other list. This comes from multiple horses' mouths down in Las Vegas. You're going to take Darren Waller, and you're going to be happy with that, and he's going to be great. Oh, don't do it. But if you've got the ninth or 10th or 11th tight end sitting there, my man Foster Moreau, the (laughs) second tight end on the Raiders, is going to get a lot of looks. They are running an offense this year where, yes, they've got Ruggs and Edwards on the outside and Hunter Renfro is going to do a little something over the middle, but they have a two tight end scheme and Gruden raves about this guy. Now, a lot of it's because he can block in the run game and they love what he does and he's great and he's going to be a head coach somewhere in the NFL when he's done playing because he's apparently the smartest guy ever. Foster Moreau, number two tight end in Las Vegas, fantasy worthy draftable player. I'm putting it out there. Ooh, Foster really really sounds like someone who was like friends with like Henry David Thoreau. Yes. And like was by the Walden Pond or something. Just was in Walden Pond, just just existentialism, just to the to the (laughs) nines. DK, so I was my mouth was agape, as you said, Foster Moreau. And DK's just vigorously nodding. Yeah, nodding. You like him? So Dynasty Brain strikes again. He's a he's a popular sort of if if you're gonna have a handcuff for a tight end, Foster Moreau's the guy because he's really talented, he's really athletic. He had a 36-inch mm. vert, 4.66 in the 40. Um, Wait, Peter, you some... have to know, we have a soft ban on the word athletic on this pod to describe tight ends because every tight end, it's like it's no, part of the job do. to be an athletic. You have Yeah, that. me. It's because it's meaningless. Tell me when the tight end's not athletic. I'm sorry. Continue about Jack Foster Doyle. <laughs> Jack, Jack Doyle. Doyle. That's the Jack only guy who's unathletic. <laughs> um, he made some plays, I think, as a rookie. He was kind of quiet last year, but like he there, he showed he, the body no, he control. Got injured, he got a major injury last year. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah he, he came back from it. So, I think he had five touchdowns his rookie year. There you go. Yeah. He has like a body control, go up and catch it in the air. Um, I like this one a lot. Um, I don't know a ton about him past that. And it, generally speaking, like in fantasy, you don't want a number two tight end. But if they're, <laughs> generally speaking, if they're running a lot of two tight end sets, you never know. <laughs> Listen, if, you, if you're in a 30-round draft, you could still get Foster Moreau on waivers. Make your joke. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think Foster I like Moreau, this. when it's all said and done, finishes top 12 tight ends. And if that's the case, he's Ooh. worthy of drafting. Absolutely. I like this. I'm not going to say anything because DK already humbled me when I plugged Adam Troutman like six weeks ago. And DK was like, I think Jawan Johnson is going to win that job. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were like, well. The undrafted free agent who switched positions. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it happened. So all those Saints guys are so, it's so hit or miss. Like, you could throw a dart at the board right now. Anyone who tells you they know, like Callaway had those two catches. That's great. But I know that Traquan Smith's like their guy when he's healthy and they love Tony Jones at running back. Like there are yeah. so many names that I had never really heard of before this year that Sean Payton is whispering about to people who know. And I would not touch any of them because I have no idea what they're going to roll out. Pull for uh, Brashad Perriman to reconnect with Jameis down there in New Orleans. <laughs> Just got cut. Crazy. All right, one other. I'm gonna throw out one other sleeper here. Uh, this one's pretty simple. To me. It's just it's Jacoby Myers for the Patriots, who is a number one receiver cosplaying as a number four because he's going in <laughs> the same range. As, yeah, <laughs> don't put any images in people's heads. But as Craig, like he's going in the same range as all these other receivers, like the MV, like the Marcus Valdez Scantlings of the world, guys you can get in like the second or last round. But here's the thing: Jacoby Myers had, I believe, eleven points five times in the final eleven weeks of last season, which is when he was playing. He doesn't have any touchdowns in his career. So he's like totally under the radar. But realistically, 
This is a guy who was productive last year when he started playing. Then Julian Edelman retires so that there's way more opportunity for him in that offense. Then Mac Jones is going to take over the quarterback at some point. So the offense will get better. So you're left with this number one receiver with a bigger role and a better offense and just a better player than really. It's like these three overlapping underrated things that are making him fall. But in reality, if you can throw your talk about darts to throw, you can get them with your last pick. And I think by the middle of the season, you'll trust them to be able to play in your flex spot. He had from whenever he started playing, because basically the, the Patriots sort of had him on the bench the first few weeks of the season randomly and weirdly. I think they wanted to feature Nikhil Harry or whatever when he was healthy. But when he started from when he started playing in the offense, he had a 29% target rate, which was second most in the NFL. Like he was getting peppered with targets. He's getting open. Uh, he plays the slot, obviously. So that's like going to be uh, those easy PPR points for you. Um, and in the preseason, he's been, I think, you know, based on what we've seen, his their best receiver. I think he's like their number one receiver. Now he is playing in the slot. So there, that might like affect his usage a little bit depending on what they do if they run a lot of two tight end sets which I'm assuming they're going to um, so that's something we'll have to see but I think number one if Mac Jones wins the job at some point whether it's week one or week three or whatever I think the, their passing game is going to be much sharper and much better and I think Myers is going to be a big part of it I love I love Myers I'm all over this one um, this is a guy you absolutely should just grab late, late in the drafts and just like see see how it rolls out yeah, they just have so many new faces there that I'm not sure they've unveiled it all. Like when they brought in Aguilar and they brought in Kendrick Bourne and they brought in Janu and they brought in Hunter Henry. To me, it's almost like I'd be patient and just say, wait and see, because it's almost like Jacoby and Nikhil Harry were the, were the guys they had. Well, here's a whole entire new batch of players. Where do these guys fit in? But yes, Jacoby Myers, he earned the trust of a lot of folks last year in this weird Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, Brian Hoyer <laughs> like whatever that offense was, but <laughs> his first year, he outplayed Nikhil Harry in a lot of ways. And I think that there's Josh McDaniels does have trust in what he can do and he's only getting better. All right, beautiful. All right, Peter, do you have any sleepers left? If not, we got some emails to get to. My last sleeper. Mm, it's yes. the deepest sleeper you Ooh. will ever hear. Love deeper it. than Foster Moreau? Do you have a third string tight end from the Raiders? This is a sleeper so deep that you might not even know the name. <laughs> I love it. This is... The Indianapolis Colts, seventh round pick out of yes. the College of Charleston. His name is Michael Strawn. Is that on anybody's list? Wide receiver, spelt like Strahan with a C, <laughs> spelt Michael Strachan. Oh, is this the Strachan guy? I actually yeah, His yeah. name Strawn. is Michael Strawn. T.Y. Hilton's down. It's this, oh, it's going to be Pittman's year, is it? It's going to be <laughs> Zach Pascal's year, is it? Strawn has come in and has made three or four eye-popping plays in preseason games. They are going to be a receiver group by committee. One of these guys is going to emerge because they're going to throw the ball in Frank Reich's offense. And I'm telling you, there is a chance. Now, probably don't draft him, but keep an eye on him on your radar. <laughs> yeah. For the deepest sleeper to ever be mentioned, put it in the books. I said this in the late August. Michael Strawn, not Strahan, not Strachan, Strawn. That's my guy. Deepest sleeper you'll ever hear. Strachan. Tough name. Yeah. I'm in awe. The main reason I know about this guy is because I was trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. It's Strawn. That's you know, I got, that's I got you know Peter's the pro. That's, you know, Peter's the pro who's been in the game is connected. He does TV because you can pronounce that name. I said it's, it's the way that I remember it is it's like how the word draft is spelled in Europe, like draught. Yeah, that's how I think of Strawn. Strawn, he's <laughs> my, our man. Strawn is enormous. He's six five, two twenty six. Guys, I like this. There's, there's something to this. He's had so he, I, I looked this up the other day. Actually, he, I think he has a sixteen targets in the preseason. That's the most among all Colts players. Eleven catches, one hundred thirty yards. Uh, he's been in every game. He's been impressive. And there's like a lot of buzz coming out of uh, Colts camp about this guy. So I love this one. Um, I agree. It's maybe not like beginning of the year. He's going to be like a star, but like he could work his way into this offense and like end up being a really regular contributor. They don't have anybody else, really. One of my favorite catches of all time is Julio Jones on the sideline, undefeated Carolina Panthers. Luke Keekley's covering him, and Julio like does the... Does the like catches it like over his head, like just kind of like does this? It's one of the greatest grabs ever. Strawn did that in a preseason game against the Panthers this year. <laughs> Strawn just went and got it. And I'm like, okay, there's talent there. Look, there's not a big college of Charleston NFL pipeline. <laughs> um, I just love when there's like this random, random, random guy 
um, that you could draft and everyone in your draft looks and says, okay, well, you could have easily taken Randall Cobb or some known, no one would even blink an eye. But if you want to look like a real hot shit at your draft, like you're doing some deep, deep work and you've got sources, go with Michael Strawn in your last round and everyone is going to be like, what? And you're going to feel pretty good if he has a big game in week one. <laughs> You know, Adam that. Schefter asked me to play golf the other day. I'm not even going to go. I'm just going to text him. <laughs> just Michael Strawn. Let me, con- let, me, let me correct this to Schefter story. We weren't playing golf. We were walking the golf course at oh. one of these PGA <laughs> events. And I went like any other stooge dressed in like golf clothes. And there I get there and Schefter is so dialed in, walking the course, following Spieth around. I'm like, what up, dude? And he was just <laughs> dialed in. He wanted no fantasy tips. Golf is the only sport where you dress like the players playing the game. Tennis. Tennis, they do it there also at the U.S. Open, just in case like Djokovic goes down, some fifty-year-old yeah. European guy in. is gonna hop into the yeah, <laughs> got a racket in their backpack. Yep, I'm good. One yeah, of my best not. friends' girlfriends is getting into baseball for the first time, and she's we're watching in thirty seconds, and she's like, "Why is the old manager also wearing a uniform?" Great question. And I was like, "I have no idea." I like it. I think it's cool. S- stick with it. Old man in a baseball uniform. It's great. Tony LaRusso wearing Southside for the Chicago White Sox. All right, let's get to the emails and the voicemails. Is that we don't actually get voicemails here, Peter? We're not. We we don't have the flying coach budget. We just yeah. have emails here. Uh, we also never really came up with a name for our email section. No mailbag. We just call it, yeah emails. It's mailbag. You know. I don't know emails. People know what that is. Yeah. Well, I wanted to call it the inbox, but we realized no one would know what that meant. That's yeah. So anyway, we're going to do this flying coach style. Craig, take us through the emails. And if you have voicemails, go for it. Uh, All right. No voicemails. This is from Josh. Josh. There it is. Uh, Josh, he says, I play in a league where every manager is allowed to make one rule change upon paying their entry fee. So that would be if you have 12 people in your league, that's 12 rule changes every year as long as they pay. (laughs) And in parentheses, he says, the pot is then invested in crypto for the duration of the season with the winner getting whatever it's worth at the end, which is (laughs) hilarious because if it's like Dogecoin, you could get like fucking $3,000 or like nine, depending (laughs) on what happens in the league, doesn't matter. He goes, after nearly a decade, the rules have gotten extremely convoluted. A rule change is defined as changing the, uh, a single value in the ESPN League setting. So, for example, you could reduce the number of quarterbacks from two to one to zero. Uh, and he basically wants to change the entire league to CBS.com, but that doesn't count. He wants us to uh, adjudicate if that's okay to do. But he sent us his actual rules. This is a bunch of lawyers in this league, by the way, which is hysterical. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. They always have to do this. <laughs> yes. Here's my wrinkle on Read it. In the yes. bylaws. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The bylaws. Let me just run through a couple of the rules here. So they are 0.66 PPR. This is pure chaos. You start 24 players and you have one bench spot. I like that. What? Dude, this is like best ball. I love it. I like this. You have two kickers, one punter. You start two head coaches. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I love uh, this. <laughs> you're, if your quarterback gets sacked, you get five points. Two-point conversions rushing are worth Hold on, 20. Stop, 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 stop. I misheard you, clearly. Or else these lawyers... Did you say that the quarterback gets five points if they're sacked? Correct. I think these lawyers are so bogged down in their rules. They need to break out. They need some chaos. They need to feel something. And this is the only way they (laughs) can do it. So two-point conversions rushing, you get 20 points, passing only two. So they really really value rushing. You get six points for every missed field goal. You get 22.22 points for a safety. 30 for a blocked punt and negative 12 if a punt is less than 33 yards. (laughs) It's the most batshit league I've ever seen. Peter, we started a segment called League Rescue. It's like Kitchen Nightmare or Kitchen Rescue with that guy Robert Irvine where he like walks into a restaurant that's a a mess and just fixes everything. We're doing that for leagues. People send in their weird rules. I don't want to fix this league. This league is perfect. I love. Is this why we have judges? Because this is what happens when lawyers just make all the rules? Who the hell is Rob Irvine? Isn't it... Taffer, isn't that the guy? Uh, Robert Irvine, he's like the big ripped guy, and he like it's called Mission Kitchen Impossible or something. That's 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 the light version of Bar Rescue. That's a show I was raised on. There you go, Bar Rescue. <laughs> man. John yeah, Taffer well. comes in, screams at someone, spits in his face. Um, all right, here's a couple of things on on this league. A, I love it because I also am always like, why not just mix it up? I the head coach's idea is something I presented to my league probably in 2003. I said you get. 10 points for a win. That's it. And you get five points for a tie. And it could be the difference of your week or it's not, but you have a head coach and it also adds in this factor of I'm rooting for a team week to week that might not be your home team. And it kind of just throws a wild card in. Now, as for the crazy points allotment and the big ass roster, I don't know, (laughs) but the head coach drafting, I like that. 
You were speaking Heifetz's language. Stop validating like Heifetz so much. Heifetz I like point six six for PPR. Point six six PPR is perfect because PPR as a concept is the devil's work. So that's really appropriate. Devil's work. Oh my gosh. I I don't even know what to say about this league other than like God help these people. Yeah, this and is the I craziest league I've ever seen. Our legal system is um, so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of lawyers investing in crypto and they're and I'm up telling you, this week. is not like your your Jake Brigant's time to kill lawyers. These are like white shoe firms, New York City. Like these are like the top. These guys are all making several million. Their partners several million, <laughs> and this is what they're dealing with. Trust me, I I know many of these types. Before we decline to change the rules, we should probably let, let's assume that the head coaches get points for a win. Peter, this is your chance. This guy's going to propose the rule. We can just make it instead of like ten points for a win. We could just make it a thousand. And that way, it's just a head coach league. Yeah, he is asking us what his rule change should be. I mean, how crazy can you get? Maybe if, if, you, if your coach gets fired, you win the league. That'd be can cool. I tell you a, a tangent here? But another thing that I've got friends who do that sounds awesome. 32 teams in the league, right? You take eight guys or gals, eight owners, and you just do a 32 snake draft with eight teams. You each get four teams each. And at the end of the season, the team with the most total wins wins the league. So you're not mm. betting on, you're not doing players, you're doing teams, but you have this random combination of four teams and you're rooting for them so hard every week and you're up against seven other groups of four teams. I like these little weird leagues that are not just your standard <laughs> Yahoo fantasy leagues. Well, so we did it at the ringer and with Bill and I won and then he owes me lunch and then there was a pandemic and I, I have not yeah, gotten the lunch. You ain't getting that lunch. Bro. <laughs> you need no, post mate you a sweet green salad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, this last one here is pretty fun. This is from Matt. He says, hey guys, for years I've been trying to decide which is more important for league success, the draft or waivers, which is a really interesting question. Mm. Uh, so a new idea was born, the Castaway League. Rules are simple, 10-team league, normal scoring, nine bench spots though, which is a lot. He says nine teams out of the 10 participate in a traditional snake draft. At the immediate conclusion of the draft, those rosters are set for the entire year. No players can be added from waivers for the, for the remainder of the season. But the 10th guy in the league who, like Tom Hanks from Castaway, was left on an island alone, unable to participate <laughs> in the draft. He gets sole access of all of the waivers for the rest of the year. Do you think this player can win the league? I think that's a really interesting idea. Craig, so the first nine picks, but there's no snake? It's a snake draft, one through nine, but they have a ton of bench spots. They essentially get one backup for every position in case of an injury. But after that, your roster is set. You cannot use waivers. But this 10th guy who did not participate in the draft gets every player on waivers for the entire year. Oh my God, I love it. But I would only want to be oh. the 10th guy. I would only want to be the 10th guy because it's like <laughs> such a challenge. It's not fun to be the first nine guys, right? I mean, if you go back and look at, I mean, there, there's a lot, like people like DeMarco Murray who just like took off in the middle of the yeah, year. Yeah, Lamar so Jackson, all these guys. No one had them in the draft. I think the problem is the nine bench. Nine bench is too many because that is going to dilute it. But even like six or seven makes it possible. Well, he's doing nine bench because he's, you know, one person per yeah, you don't get to make ads. Yeah, it's a good point. I love this though. I think it's so fun, fun as a second league, but I, I don't know if I'm asking, I would only be really into it if I'm the 10th guy because that's such a challenge and so fun. It's like playing like Stratomatic Baseball or something. That's a reference before your time, guys. But it's <laughs> one of these deals where you can like, completely like manipulate all right strategy and go it's almost like war games well the rest of the nine right. are just playing standard fantasy maybe they should make it so the winner of the league each year becomes the waiver guy the next there year you and go. that's like your, your award for winning i like that well no i feel like it's the opposite it's like the way bill bill's league is like someone gets kicked out it's i have to draft it's like hey by the way you're not participating this year <laughs> like you just have to watch all that prep can i can i weigh in on that too because i listened to all that saga last year didn't you feel like there was some eerie, like bad blood between Sal and Bill when they were talking about it? Like that doesn't that 100%. leave like, like there was yeah. like genuine bad blood and they were being laughy, laughy about it. But you could tell there was like some really deep, deep hurt that someone was voted out of the league. Who was it? Was it Bill voted out of the league? <laughs> it was Bill. Voted out of the oh, he was pissed. Bill has never been voted out of that league. He got voted out and was so upset he started his own league. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so he took he his can, ball and so then he, he had still the greatest play. Hear about it from Sal. So I feel like that's not a fun thing to do. Like that's like that kind like ruin friendships and like What's it's, like, it's like, called a guillotine league isn't it or something like that no oh, no the guillotine, well, guillotine league's fun guillotine league is different and we've gotten a lot of emails about it which is you it's i don't know maybe 10 16 teams you can do how many you want if you lose you're out like you're out oh in the season you or mean. you know two losses but guillotine i think is a you only get oh you're talking out. like so it's, it's, a, it's a survivor league of fantasy yeah mm -hmm. it's like march madness so you have like oh. 16 teams in the league that but, sucks that's a shitty idea <laughs> Wait a second. What if you what if you seeded the teams and then 
I don't know. There's got to be a cool way to do it. That's fun. So if you like lose that. week one, you just don't play fantasy for the entire year? <laughs> Cooked. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I guess then you go to Fandle. Shouts out Fandle. There you go. <laughs> got to go to Fandle. Um, I kind of like the any creative like league though. It, all right. My last thing with you guys before I go with a sleeper, I'm, I'm hijacking your podcast. Yes. The promo to your podcast is that Waffle House story and it's on every <laughs> thing. Now that made national news when the guy did it and tweeted about it. But yeah. in the promo, you guys are acting like, hey, did you hear about this? Will you edit that promo to a new promo? Because I love your podcast, but that story is not unique to your podcast anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we, every, good, every, no, 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 no. we we're going to explain that story Someone, I think either the same league did it the year earlier or someone else did it. Okay. And so we recorded that months before this. I was sure viral. of that because you definitely wouldn't have acted like no one knew about it, of course. So now I guess I sound stupid in all these promos. No, not stupid, but I'm like, oh, I remember that thing on Twitter. But you guys have so many other stories. We got to refresh it. Uh, my friend recently just had to do that 24 hours in a Denny's because he got last and every Grand Slam he ate subtracted four hours off of his time. He just <laughs> did that the a whole week ago. Grand Slam. Do that one yeah. now. Yeah. Not IHOP. Do that one. Or not Waffle House, <laughs> but Denny's. Uh, yeah, we should just, our, all of our promos should only be just like horrible draft stories. That should be every promo. They're great. Or just Michael Strawn. 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 <laughs> Michael Strawn and Foster Moreau. No joke. I'm going to get all three of you Strawn jerseys and you're going to wear them on the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. He's got to make the 53 first, but then I'm going to do that. <laughs> they can actually sell his jersey first. <laughs> we'll make okay, it. So the to-do list is we need Michael Strawn jerseys. We need to re-record the trailer for this podcast. Uh, I need to make some cuts and add Marquez Valdez-Scantling in some of my fantasy leagues. And then I, I think that's it. Peter... This is why it's great that we have you on. You know, the no deepers. This is like the comatose sleepers with, with yeah. Peter Schrager. We got <laughs> yes. Foster Moreau, Michael Strawn. This is great. You're not going to find this anywhere else. This is the regarding Henry sleepers. That's a <laughs> that. This is where we're at here. Regarding we is that a is that Harrison Ford? Movie? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, is a coma. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Phil Major Craig, right there. That's uh, incredible. We watch this, Craig. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Peter. Oh, wait. Oh, this is important. Trigger. We pretend that we're on SNL. And like, thank you, Lauren. And then yeah. we, we thank have to Lauren. Band. So I'm going to do it. And now you have to think of a band. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Toad the wet sprocket. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, what? yes. Is that the comatose of bands? He's in my generation, so I don't know. deep cuts. God, if Craig Horlbeck listened to Walk on the Ocean one time, Danny, he would know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So Toad the, the Wet, Wet Sprocket is the most underrated band of the 90s. Go oh Google it. Oh my God. This is the hottest take we've ever heard on the show. I love it. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Check wow. it out. Also, real quick, wait. Is Stan Getz more famous than Steely, band, Steely Dan or no? No. no, Steely Dan is is huge, huge. enormous. I, I'm just huge. trying Not to confirm. That huge. Huge. Yes, they are huge. <laughs> oh, I mean, Steely Dan is is as big. And I'm in New York, so I don't know. They play the Beacon every year for about ten days when the when they both were alive. One of them's passed since then, but Steely Dan is massive, guys. That is yacht rock. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck. Incredible. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, thank you, Peter. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Peter. Loved it, guys. Thanks.